At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through this three-week series, we're turning to the biblical book of Isaiah to discover how God's holiness, forgiveness, and love compel us to share Him with others. We'll come face-to-face with whatever's keeping us from answering God's call as Isaiah did. Send me. All right, so we're continuing in the scriptures this morning in Isaiah chapter 6. This is our last uh, sermon before we begin uh, a sermon series in Genesis in the next couple of weeks. Um, Really looking forward to that as we we think about family, um, especially through uh, the experiences of the different families in the book of Genesis. But um, this week and the last two weeks, we've been in Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, we wanted to spend a few weeks in this chapter in order to refocus and reemphasize God's call on our lives to speak his word and to be a part of his mission, uh, spreading the gospel to the four corners of the globe. But really, Isaiah's experience here relates to everything God calls us to do in life. Um, And so there's a lot of application we can make, certainly to missions and God's heart for the nation, Um, but also for wherever God has called us to in life. And so uh, I've I've sort of broadened the application. Um, But in Isaiah, the first part, uh, first four verses, Isaiah has this grand vision of God, uh, this theophany where he beholds an appearance of the Lord. And in the next few verses, verses five through seven, um, he responds uh, reflecting on himself. He sees God and then he reflects on himself. He says, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips. So seeing God helps him see himself as he truly is, a broken, sinful man. Um, And then in verse 8, the Lord asks, you know, who shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, here am I, send me. And that famous word of commitment to God. But 99.999% of sermons and sermon series series end right there in verse 8, because it's kind of the crescendo of of that experience. Um, But the chapter (laughs) does not end there. Um, There's still several more verses, and um, it's quite surprising what God then says to his newly commissioned servant, Isaiah, and it's a really important word for us as we think about moving forward in God's calling on our own lives, whether it be to missions and bearing witness to the gospel or to whatever. So Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll dive in. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of the Lord's robe filled the temple. Above the Lord stood the seraphim, each seraph had six wings, With two wings he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one seraph called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of the Lord's glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I, Isaiah, said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people 
of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And the seraph touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And the Lord said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth of the people remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is in its stump. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Enthusiasm, excitement, wonder, anticipation. These are the emotions that we often feel when we're just beginning a journey. Maybe it's when we're starting a new job. Maybe it's when we're beginning a new relationship. Maybe it's when we've moved to a new place. But whatever it is, we're headed out. We're starting on something new. We're taking those first steps. And so we feel inspired. We feel joy as we anticipate all that is to come in this new journey, this fresh purpose in life. One vivid example of this from the movie the Wizard of Oz. You remember Dorothy wakes up in Munchkinland. She's then commissioned by the good witch, Glinda. She's commissioned to go to the Emerald City and meet the Wizard of Oz. And as she's leaving to fulfill her calling, as she's beginning her quest, there's an enthusiasm and excitement such that the Munchkins can't help themselves but sing, we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. We're off, we're off, we're off, we're off, the wonderful things he does. I think I got the words wrong there, but because, 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 because the wonderful things he does. But the joy and thrill of this new journey quite naturally causes them to sing. Well, Isaiah here is at the start of his calling. Isaiah chapter 6 is the description of God commissioning Isaiah, of God sending Isaiah on this new task, this new direction in his life. Isaiah here is called to prophesy. He's called to, as God says in verse 9, go and speak to this people. This is the beginning of Isaiah's journey following God's call to speak his word to his people. This is the start of his new role as a prophet for God. So there must have been a similar excitement, 
a similar anticipation, taking his first steps on this new path that God has put him on. But how will Isaiah's calling actually play out? Now that Isaiah's had this glorious vision of God, now that Isaiah has been deeply humbled before God and he's passionately committed himself to God, how will his ministry and calling actually play out? Well, as we walk through these verses, we can discern at least three lessons from Isaiah's calling. Three lessons from God's calling on Isaiah's life. First, we learn God's calling is surprisingly difficult. God's calling is surprisingly difficult. Look again at verses 9 and 10. God speaks to Isaiah, commissioning him into service. He says to Isaiah, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull. Make their ears heavy, blind their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Now, this is counterintuitive to what we might think God would say here. Why would God send a messenger so that people would presumably hear and understand the messenger's message, and yet the messenger is to say, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. God tells Isaiah to make the people's hearts dull, make their ears heavy. Again, you think it would be the opposite. You think it would be, make their hearts open to my message. Make their eyes open to my word. But it's the exact opposite. So what's going on here? Well, as I've mentioned to you before, God's people during this time were a moral and spiritual mess. They were taking advantage of the poor They were oppressing those who didn't have the resources to defend themselves. They were compromising in their morals. They were making alliances with godless nations. And though many of God's people had the outward form of devotion, religious devotion, inwardly, their hearts were hard. And as the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, judgment begins with the house of God. Judgment does not begin with the pagan nations and those who don't know God. Judgment begins here amongst God's people. And so Isaiah's message primarily, and certainly initially, Isaiah's message is one of judgment. His message is one for God's people to repent of their greed, their selfishness, their idolatry. And by and large, that message was going to harden the hearts of those who heard it. It was not going to be a message that his people wanted to hear. So one of the ways I experience this in my life is on Saturday mornings. Oftentimes my children and I will watch uh, one of those nature shows on PBS. You know, they'll have all the clips of cool animals and a narrator who tells you about the animal and gives you a play-by-play while, you know, a leopard eats a zebra or whatever. Well, very often, When you're watching shows like that, the commercials will include an advertisement from the Humane Society. And the commercials have these images and videos of dogs and cats who are in terrible condition, and they're in these little cages. It's just awful. And the spokesman of those commercials is telling you 
how awful it is, just reinforcing it. And they always have that really sad Sarah McLaughlin song playing in the background, you know, I will remember you. Well, when that commercial comes on, when I start to hear that message, I'm like, give me the remote, turn it off, change the channel, I can't watch, I can't listen, no. Because it's a hard message to hear. It's a hard reality to face, and so I don't face it. Well, God is letting Isaiah know that the people, God's people, are going to have a similar reaction to Isaiah's message. They don't want to be called to repentance. They don't want to hear that they are under God's judgment. They don't want to hear about their sin. So Isaiah tell, God tells Isaiah, tell the people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make their hearts dull. Make their ears heavy. So Isaiah's calling is going to be surprisingly difficult. I mean, put yourself in Isaiah's shoes. You've been called by God himself. You've been commissioned by God to speak for him. So this is exciting. This is awesome. You're starting on this new journey. But surprisingly, God is having you speak a message that actually going to close the years and harden the hearts of the people. That's why I say Isaiah's calling is surprisingly difficult. This is not what we expected. This is not what I signed up for. This is counterintuitive. This is contrary to common sense, right, God? God's calling is surprisingly difficult. And the same is true oftentimes for the different callings that God puts in our lives. For example, like, man, God led me to this church. And I was so excited for my new church. I'm so grateful. And then it got hard. There's relational conflict. There's disagreements. And this surprised me. I thought this was heaven on earth. I thought this was God's people. Or maybe God called me to a marriage. God led me to my spouse, my soulmate. So awesome. But this caught me off guard. Marriage can be really, really difficult. But I thought this was God's sacred relationship, husband and wife. But here we are fighting all the time. Or even just simply, God called me to Christ. God led me into the freedom of new life with Jesus and journeying with Jesus through life but I'm still struggling with temptation to sin. I'm still struggling with depression. I still struggle with sickness. I thought life with Jesus was the abundant life. Well, it's because God's calling in our life, whether it's marriage, ministry, relationships, whatever, it can be surprisingly difficult and we can be caught off guard. So God is letting Isaiah know right up front before his prophetic ministry begins, God is letting Isaiah know this is going to be hard. And you are not going to experience a massive revival. Isaiah, you are not going to have a huge following because of your ministry. In fact, just the opposite. God tells Isaiah up front because he wants Isaiah to know that starting a revival or gaining a huge following isn't the point. 
The point is that no matter how his ministry goes, Isaiah is to remain faithful. That's the point. Isaiah is to be faithful to the message God gives him to speak regardless of the response to that message. And brothers and sisters in Christ, the same is true for me and you. When Jesus calls us to himself to follow him, he says, take up your cross. Not sit down in your lazy boy. Take up your cross. This instrument of torture. This instrument of death. Take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Deny your appetites. Deny your preferences. Deny your dreams. Deny your desires. Deny your plans. Deny yourself and follow me. In other words, this is going to be hard following Jesus. And we have got to keep our eyes laser focused on the truth of his word and the depth of his love and the glory of his grace or like Isaiah, we will never make it. God's calling is surprisingly difficult and God wants to be honest with Isaiah. Friends, don't fool yourself. I know it's exciting to be called into God's service, but this is going to be hard. As it was for Isaiah, so it is for me and you. A second lesson from Isaiah's calling. God's calling is surprisingly difficult, and God's calling is continually difficult. Ah! God's calling is continually difficult. Listen again to the following verses, verses 11 through 12. So Isaiah can sense the difficulty of what he's about to do based on what God says to do in verses 9 and 10. So Isaiah then asks, verse 11, How long, O Lord? It's a pretty natural response to when you're going through something painful, when you're called to do something difficult, like, okay, I've got to do this hard thing, but how long do I have to do it? Like one of the workout coaches that I have when she's trying to motivate us to finish an exercise, she says, you can do anything for 20 seconds. You've only got 20 more seconds holding this plank and you can do anything for 20 seconds. Because it's one thing to do something difficult, but it is a whole other thing to do something difficult for a long time. And so again, Isaiah quite naturally asks, how long? How long do I have to preach to the people this message that's just going to harden them against me and against you? Rest of verse 11, God responds. Until, city lies, until cities lie waste. Until houses are without people. Until the land is a waste. Until the Lord removes the people. And the forsaken places are many. So this is the worst possible answer Isaiah could have hoped for. You've received this difficult calling and you will carry out this difficult calling until the people are utterly destroyed. 
And God here, of course, is referring to what's known as the Babylonian exile or the Babylonian captivity. And roughly 600 BC, a few decades before Isaiah's ministry started, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonian empire, he invaded Judah. He destroyed Jerusalem, the capital city of God's people, and then he carried off God's people. He deported God's people from Jerusalem to Babylon. God's people were removed from the promised land and taken captive, exiled in a foreign land. So God is telling Isaiah that his ministry will be difficult and it will continue to be difficult until the very end. Like my instructor says, you can do anything for 20 seconds, but 20 years? No, no, eventually we're getting to the easy part, right? Well, maybe. We don't know where God will lead us and how long it will take us to get there. In John chapter 21, a conversation takes place between Jesus and Peter. This is right after Jesus has died and then risen from the grave. So this is one of Jesus' resurrection appearances. And Peter, you remember, had recently betrayed Jesus three times over. And now Jesus is having this restorative conversation with Peter, sort of recommissioning Peter to the ministry. So three times over in this conversation to match the three denials, Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. In other words, Peter, even though you blew it and betrayed me, I'm still calling you to minister my word, feed my word to my people. And at the end of this conversation, similar to the way God shares a sobering word with Isaiah about how his ministry will end, Jesus does the same thing with Peter. This is 1 John chapter 21, verses 18 through 19. Jesus says to Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But Peter, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, Jesus said this to Peter to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this to Peter, Jesus said to him, follow me. So if you can't tell, it's a little cryptic, but Jesus is telling Peter here, Peter, you are going to die because of the ministry I'm calling you to. You will be persecuted for the gospel unto death. Now you may say, but Jesus, Peter is fulfilling your calling on his life. Peter is completing the purpose that you made him for. And Jesus is like, yes, exactly. God's calling is surprisingly difficult. God's calling is continually difficult. It was the same for Isaiah. It's the same for Peter. In church, it's the same for us. Yes, in Christ, we have the joy of the Holy Spirit. Yes, in Christ, we are citizens of heaven. Yes, in Christ, we have full assurance of salvation. However, we are living in the already, not yet. God's kingdom has already come in Christ but it has not yet come in its fullness. Sin still tempts us. 
Bodies still get sick and die. Relationships still experience a lot of stress. Spiritual warfare is still going on. And God is calling us to follow Jesus through all the difficulties of life, no matter how much they surprise us, no matter how long they last. God's not pulling the wool over our eyes. He's not trying to fool us. No, he's honest with Isaiah. Jesus is honest with Peter. Your calling is difficult and it is going to stay difficult. And this is especially important for us in the West to hear because so much of American Christianity is tragically soft. You believe in Jesus, you'll get your best life now. You believe in Jesus and all your problems will be fixed. All your diseases will be cured. God says the exact opposite to Isaiah. Jesus says the exact opposite to Peter. God says to Isaiah, you are going to preach a message that will be rejected and it will stay rejected until the judgment of my people is complete. Jesus says to Peter, you are going to a place that you do not want to go and you will be forced to stretch out your hands. A reference to the way Peter was to die by being crucified, his arms stretched across a cross because of the way he fed God's people the word and was faithful to the gospel that God had given him. Friends, let's not fool ourselves. God's calling is surprisingly difficult and it is continually difficult. But finally, the very last phrase, we see God's calling is certainly fulfilled. It may be incredibly difficult. It may take a really long time. But if we follow Jesus and receive his calling on our lives, then his purpose will be fulfilled. There is hope always. Look at the last bit of verse 13. God says, Though a tenth of the people remain in the land, the land will be burned again. Like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed is in its stump. So God here is likening the exile of his people to Babylon with a tree being chopped down. In the same way that a tree can be sliced down and destroyed, so too it will be for God's people because of their sin and rebellion. And all that will be left is a stump. However, on the tail end of this devastating news, he says the holy seed is its stump. And what's going on here? What does this mean? Well, in the same way that God's judgment is likened to a tree being chopped down, so also God's hope is likened to the way that life can remain in a tree stump. So if you've chopped down trees before, or if you've ever had stumps in your yard, then you've probably seen something like this. It's the remains of a large tree, totally cut down, right at ground level. It's blackened over, there's gash marks running across it, and yet, sprouting forth is this shoot, out of this dead, destroyed tree bursts new life. Isaiah says the same thing will happen as it relates to God's purposes for his people. 
the people had to die so that they could live. And that truth is right at the heart of the gospel. Jesus, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy Seed of Abraham, Jesus was cut down. He was judged not for his sin, but for ours. He died, and yet he burst forth from the grave. As Isaiah will later say, Jesus is the shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesus is the one who brings life out of his death. Even though his calling on earth was excruciatingly difficult all the way to the end. Nevertheless, God's calling was fulfilled in his life and now he lives. Having accomplished God's mission. And church, God is calling us to go through this same process of going from death to life. God is calling us to see the difficulties in our lives, not as barriers to our calling being fulfilled, but the difficulties in our lives are the very thing we are called to. I want to say that again. God is calling us to see the difficulties in our lives not as barriers to our calling being fulfilled, but the difficulties in our lives are the very things we are called to. And it's in those dark, difficult moments where God meets us. It's in those dark, difficult moments where God does his best work crucifying our flesh and helping us grow in the Spirit. Friends, this is a totally different way of viewing our trials. No matter how painful they are, no matter how long they last, there is hope and God's calling will be fulfilled. Whether it's a difficult relationship you've been called to, a terrible financial situation that's befallen you, lingering physical sickness, just the everyday difficulties of following life, following Christ in a broken world and ministering his gospel to an oftentimes different crowd, difficult crowd, whatever it is, let's lock arms with Isaiah. Let's lock arms with Peter. Let's lock arms with Jesus. Let's lock arms with one another and let's say, yes, God, here I am. Send me, no matter the difficulty, no matter how long the difficulty, I am your servant. I am your mouthpiece to a world that needs to hear the truth of Jesus. Let's surrender to him. Let's engage in his mission. Let's fulfill our calling for our neighbors and for the nations. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, we're humbled this morning as we round out this narrative of Isaiah's calling. Father, there's a part of us in which we wish that Isaiah would just ride off into the sunset and experience the joy of a perfectly flourishing ministry and the joy of seeing 
thousands of people's hearts turned to you. But God, it wasn't to be. And the same is true for us. As we head out of here, back into life, back into all that you've called us, it is oftentimes surprisingly difficult for a long time. And so, Father, I pray that you would meet us here now and confirm in the depths of our heart the truth of the gospel and that you have called us to yourself in Christ and that calling cannot be revoked. No matter our failures, no matter our temptations, no matter our bodily breakdown, your calling on our life is fixed and you will fulfill it. No matter what it looks like, whether it's in accordance with our plans or not, God, you will fulfill your purposes of crucifying our flesh, putting sin to death in us and conforming us to the image of Christ. And so we ask God now, fulfill that purpose in us of sanctifying us, of ridding us of unbelief and sin, making us more like Jesus and fulfill your purposes globally through us. God, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would energize us to generosity. You would energize us to compassion. You would energize us to bold witness so that all the earth would glorify you so that you would be glorified in our life and as Jesus said of Peter, glorified in our death because we remained faithful. Help it to be so, God, for the glory of your name, for the sake of the nation, so that Jesus' mission will be fulfilled in us and around the world. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.